let me tell you what I did. About a year ago, I bought, um, oh, hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> Hi, everybody in the chat room. Sorry I'm running late. This is why I'm running late. Okay, so about a year ago, I bought a new wave oven. I love my new wave oven. I cook in it every chance I get because I'm a lazy ass. And the best thing about the new wave oven is that you literally can set it and forget it. You can stick a whole chicken in that motherfucker and push the buttons and walk away. Come back in 20 minutes, flip that fucker over, and you got roasted chicken that is amazing in about 45 minutes, depending on the size of your bird, right? So I love my new wave oven. And this is not a paid advertisement, by the way. I don't get paid to advertise anything. Um, although there are ads in my podcast after the fact. Um, but that's not the same thing as what I'm currently doing. I'm just talking about my new wave. Okay, so my new wave. Um, I highly recommend convection cooking. I really do. If you have a problem with drying out your roast or drying out your chicken or whatever, I highly recommend using a convection oven system. It's amazing. You get great results for very little effort, um, <clears throat> which I appreciate. Anyways, so I was going to do Salisbury steak this evening, and I had um, prepped the meat and... Um, I thought, well, I'll cook it, most of it, in the new wave and then put it into a skillet and do my gravy and everything and just save myself some time versus me cooking in the skillet for 45 minutes on a low heat to keep it tender. I can do it in the convection for about 15. That would have worked out great. Had I turned the convection on. I'm 10 minutes into my other prep, my other sides I got, got you know I'm I'm doing some yeah I know I got some I'm uh, I'm cooking some I'm going to fry some corn some spicy corn in the skillet I have this recipe that I like a lot and um I've got some potatoes in the oven and I thought okay I need to go um get my flour so I can start my roux and get my gravy going for my and I look over at the new wave that shit still looks raw. And I'm like, what is wrong? And I get over there and I realize I had not cut it on. So I turn it on. As a result, instead of dinner being ready at around 8.30, it was done around, well, you know, I guess, I guess it had been closer to 9 when it would have gotten done the first time. It didn't get done till 9.30. Because it just, it threw me off. It it threw my whole rhythm off. And, you know, I'm that person who can put a whole meal together and everything pretty much gets done at the same time. I can do that. Not tonight. I didn't turn it on. I didn't turn it on. Now, I have been running my ass off since around 1 o'clock this afternoon. I took my mom somewhere because she can't currently drive. um, And then I took her to Walmart um, and then I had to, um, I made her a cabbage and red bean soup for dinner, um, because she can't currently, she can, you know, it's stressful to work her stove right now due to a physical thing she's got going on. So, and that's why she can't drive as well. And I don't want her messing with hot stuff like that. Um, cause you know, she could, you know, at her age getting a severe burn like that can be very dangerous. Anyways, so I made her red bean and cabbage soup. Then I go to the grocery store for myself pick up my groceries, come home, and neglect to turn the oven on. It's just, 
it's just, it is what it is, right? It just, it is what it is. I, I but on a for real note, my Salisbury steak was awesome once it got cooked. <laughs> And I do highly recommend it anyway. If you got one, you got to make sure you turn it on when you put your food in. <laughs> Turning it on is a really good good way to get started. But no, um, my sister has a um, sharper image convection countertop um, oven thing. And um, I've tried her sharper image. I've also tried, um, there's another one, Hometics has one, I think. Um, I do want their. I do want to try the air fryer. I think that would be awesome. I I really want to try the um, new wave air fryer. But um, the new the new wave oven is awesome. I I just I highly recommend it. But if you're gonna use it, you need to make sure you actually turn it on, plug it in. <sighs> I'm usually so good about it. And it's fortunate for me that this was a product I was going to have to turn over because I wanted them to get, you know, I wanted them to cook evenly. So I was going to turn them over. When I went to turn them over is when I realized basically that they were not cooking at all. And yes, I foresee it being a problem in the future. Checking my stupid new wave. Anyways. I should have smelled it, but I've I've just been I've been run ragged and I'm just about out of spoons. If um you know, so um I'm just once I met my podcast, I couldn't even think of anything to talk about. So I was like, Okay, fuck it. I'll just I'll I'll think of something when I get there. But I'm here and I still haven't thought of anything. It's a minor detail, but it's an important one if you want to eat in a timely fashion. <laughs> Oh, no, not on Thanksgiving. Timing is really important when you're cooking a meal that big. Um, but I did do um, my turkey and my new wave this year, and it worked out awesome. I um, I gave my new wave, um, I, I gave my turkey basically a, um, I shoved butter under the skin, which is honestly one of the most disgusting cooking experiences you can have, putting butter and herbs under the skin of a chicken or a turkey. Outside of gutting your own kill, I can't imagine anything more disconcerting. Just the idea of of sticking your fingers between the meat and the skin. Even with gloves, it was disgusting. I, I, but it was some good damn turkey, I have to say. I do have to say it was some good damn turkey. Anyways. It does. It it does make a difference. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally out of spoons. I just, yeah, the spoon theory. You wake up every day, you have a certain number of spoons. I've used all my spoons. I, uh, anyways. <sighs> so, earlier this week, we tried to repeatedly, <laughs> with very little success, <laughs> Talk about soulmate plotting. We, you know, we had the one plot, but basically, I think the conversation, the ongoing conversation between those two podcasts, is really good because um, it's um, caused me to think about uh, the unspeakable plot and some of the things I had going on there. That um, when I tried to rewrite it into what I, my my new idea, it kind of fell apart. 
And I didn't know what I was going to do with that and how I was going to fix it. And I think that between those two conversations, um, I realized that in order to make my new elements work, that I need to remove some of the the older elements because there was too much conflict there. And I'm also going to have to restructure it if I keep – see, it's just – it's a mess. It's a mess. You know, you ever have an idea bigger – than your format. I think that's what I encountered um, in Unsinkable Plot. I think my idea is too big for the format, and I don't know um, how to fix it. And my first attempt at fixing it didn't work out well. And, see, episodes would work really well because the cast is so big in Unspeakable Plot. But the other side of it is is that, um, that there comes a point in the plot of Unspeakable Plot where I have a divergence between um, in, in, in the character movements where I have unspeakables outside of Hogwarts going in one direction and the unspeakables in Hogwarts going in another. And so it creates a situation where I have to create a balance. And I encounter this to a small degree in Sentinels of Atlantis where I had um, a lot of characters with a lot going on and a lot of subplots and a lot of arcs happening. Um, and what I ended up doing was doing character-centric episodes for several characters just to hammer out what they were doing and how they were operating and where they were going. Um, Miko uh, had a character-driven episode. Um, and then I had the arc on Earth. And so I started to... So it, it got really complicated. Now the problem is, is that when I created, when I plotted Unspeakable Plot the first time, I did not plot it that way. I did not plot it in episode format, and I did not um, create the pacing for an episode for episodes. So in order to to make it work on either idea and episodes, I'm going to have to pull it completely apart and rework it and. Um, I, I find it very frustrating. Uh, I'm going to have to just pull it all apart and figure out what I want to keep, what I want to lose. And I am very frustrated with it because I think, um, the meat of it is interesting and fun and I have all these things going on, um, and then I have this huge ass problem I don't know what to do with it. And also, I just realized um, that I forgot to pee before my podcast started. Hey, lady holder, are you here? Is that you? <laughs> Is that you? I am. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm here. you need to talk about something. So I have to go pee. I need. Okay, well, you. Don't you guys, aren't you guys really happy that my podcast isn't all professional and shit? I'll be oh back my in a God. second. I, I need a <laughs> I need a topic, guys. Um, the closest thing I've come to soulmates is um, a Harry Potter verse uh, fic, and even then, it was kind of iffy. Kind of, it was restoration, and my my. <laughs> Yeah, her tire is all flat and junk. Um, 
the the soulmate thing was was not nearly as um full fledged as it is uh in cure stuff. It was more alluded to and um there was compatibility and not all soulmates were um were sexual. I mean they they were these couples. So that was that was interesting. Um I guess I, I played at both sides of the, the fence where you have the platonic soulmate and um, the romantic soulmate. Thank you. And I, I don't hear. Did I mangle that right? Okay. Um, so thank you, Ed. <laughs> uh, it's something I've been I've been listening to with the whole week because I have been listening to it to these um, soulmates. For the most part, when when we do them, we like them to be um, romantic. We like them to be um, couples because I don't know if my soulmate was Harry Potter and I was one of the the two that I'll ship him with. Hot damn, I'll climb that boy like a tree. I mean, that's, you know. But it seems like um, there are also the soulmates who... They're this other person that you can't live without, but you're not always, sex isn't always there, it seems. Um, Going back to um, Star Trek and the original series where they had, and it was um, the motion picture where, and it was a cut scene where Spock says to Hyla about, um, uh, about Jim, um, and being real in the uh, the show and the movies, there was nothing between them but this deep abiding friendship that if they could have broke the universe for each other, they would have. And that to me, you know, was the epitome of of soulmates, even though there was no romantic love there. Um, what are you talking about? Uh, Kirk and Spock and the motion picture and the cutscene where uh, Spock says to Hyla. And there's no romantic love my, there. That just breaks my heart. There wasn't. I know, me too. But there was there was not a drop of romantic love, but there was so much, I want to say passion, but it's not, um, it's not sexual passion. It's the, the, It's that deep abiding, you know, need for each other. They orbited each other for, you know, for ages. And when Jim didn't come out of that goddamn ribbon, Spock was broken for the rest of his life. <laughs> Azure's comment says, I don't know, that hand-holding scene was kind of was like public sex for Vulcans. Bones look mortally, morally horrified. It Every is unspeakably it. intimate. It is unspeakably it is. intimate that 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 hand holding when when Spock mm-hmm. holds his hand out to Kirk and Kirk takes yeah. it and they're like palm to palm. Well, for someone who's a touch and telepath, that is like that's French kissing on on to the max. But you know, it's it's still no. I, I honestly, you know, if they consider finger touching kissing, palm to palm is intercourse. Probably, but there was never, 
you know, the, the, the way the two actors played it and the way it seemed that it flowed all the way through the series and into the movies, Spock was the other half of Jim's soul and Jim was the other half of Spock's, but it wasn't a romantic thing. It was, um, you are the other half of me. You are, you are me, and I am you, and together we function. <laughs> you know, and I think Bones got horrified on the regular because the two of them would look at each other, have a complete conversation, and then give him a look. Oh, God, do you remember? And it's a new one. It's... Um, it's a short, it's where somebody uh, gave, um, it's where Kirk got turned into a kitten. Somebody gave him catnip, and he started sneezing because of catnip. And then Spock walked in, and apparently catnip works on the on Vulcans too. And I cannot remember the story, but I've got it somewhere. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah. It was funny because they both looked at, at Bones and I think he turned around and ran. Complete conversations using their eyebrows, yes. Well, what I would say about the casual touch thing for Vulcans is that, yes, it is a, it, it, it does become an issue of consent. Um, and one of the more mm-hmm. interesting things about writing different species like that is that you have to account for that. You have to account for um, what to a human would be a very casual touch, but to a Vulcan would mm-hmm. be outrageous. And in Tangled Destinies, I had a situation where um, Spock was touched by a teacher. She grabbed his hand, mm-hmm. and his mother um, accused her of sexual assault. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That was that was something. Kat, you really don't want this. I swear this is not something you want. The husband and I went out today, and there's a food truck at the food truck rally that does um, boba tea, and I'm trying to have the last of mine, and I've got a cat who wants to stick his head in my cup. This is not yours. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) As the husband says, he wants to play with the balls. Go away. Thank you. Tangled Destinies is um, my love letter to Amanda Grayson um, because I was mm. mortally offended by her death, her murder. J.J. Abrams nice. murdered her in um, the new movie, and I was like, hell no, fuck you, no. That did no. That did not happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From that moment on, I was done. I was like, nope, fuck you, done. <laughs> I'm done. Amen. <sighs> <laughs> My favorite turn into a cat kitten is um in uh Stargate where John gets turned into Checkmate. a cat. Checkmate. The Checkmate verse? Yeah. If if you've not read Checkmate, you need to go 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 read Checkmate because it is my favorite part is when Rodney has made him go back to his own quarters mm-hmm. and John is so furious. He's still a cat. He's so furious. That he drags his bunny slipper, which he's been sleeping in, uh-huh. his bunny slipper bed, he drags it down the hall, <laughs> back yep. to Rodney's quarters. 
There's the checkmate verse. <laughs> he is so oh, mad. God, it, <laughs> and you know what? The thing is, is the, the part that actually got me, it wasn't that. It was the very beginning where, you know, everybody looks like they've been, you know, run through a weed eater backwards. You know, because they try to, you know, they tried to, um, they tried to catch him and he didn't want to get caught. Although spontaneous animal transformation is um, a really funny trope. I thought it especially hilarious when they get turned into penguins. <laughs> oh my God, that was, that was fabulous. And I love the poor, ja- poor Jack. Poor Jack, he just, he knew exactly what was happening, and he just, god damn it. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta let it all hang out. There's a cute Harry Potter fic where Harry's um, animagus form is either a bunny or a cat. I think it's a bunny. And um, Draco picks him up when he's outside. And he thinks that um, he's just a regular bunny, so he makes him his pet. And Harry keeps going back <laughs> and being Draco's pet because <laughs> he likes well, him. Come on, he's he getting petted. Him Draco pets him. <laughs> he really enjoys he's getting it. Getting petted. I re- yeah. Why not? Mm. Yeah. Might as well enjoy it. Oh yeah, the pebbles. But I don't know why that animal transformation thing happens in fandom. And it's not even like shifters, like, you know, werewolves and shit. I don't mean that. Mm -hmm. I don't understand where that comes from, that spontaneous animal transformation. I don't, um, I don't understand, um, where that trope was birthed, you know? like Me either. There, yeah, I mean, it often is a plot device to bring two characters together to make them see each other in a different light. Like that whole trip of turning Kirk into a kid so that Spock can see he's not really mm-hmm. an asshole. Yeah, good luck on that one. Commander Octopus. That is hilarious. Oh, yeah. When Steve gets turned into an octopus in Hawaii 5 <laughs> And he keeps trying to cuddle Danny. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, there's. Although actually, my favorite animal transformation stories in um, Hawaii Five O are where they're actually shifters. I love the one where Danny is a megalodon. Yes. Yeah, Joe Lawson. Fantastic stuff there. It's it's great. Yes, it's it's complete crack, but it's great. It's like it just it, it's addictive, as as all oh, crack yeah. be. All the good ones are. And okay, there's Commander Octopus. Right? No, it, no, it doesn't read like crack. It, it it reads as seriously as it can to be what it is. <laughs> You know, you're like, yep, you don't even question it. Of course he does. What's Grace? She's a little Megalodon. That's so cute. She can't get in the tub. 
Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But I love Joe Lawson. If 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 you've not read Joe Lawson, he's on AO3, he or she. Um and um Thanks. great stuff. Uh, let's see. It's Jaws and then Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. I like Jaws. And yeah, actually, I think. Uh, yeah. The yes. Devil in the Deep Blue Sea, Danny the Merman, right? Yes. he. That one, um, he is dealing with the local whatever the hell they are and they are pretty fish and he's just all he's he's I think he's still a shark. You know, but he's got you know it's good they've stuff. all got I highly recommend Joe Lawson. Um Oh that's so cute. The picture's cute. Shark-based merman, yeah, and and the mer people on Hawaii mm-hmm. are dolphin-based mermen. They weren't quite yes. prepared. <laughs> no. For Danny, who's a cold water shark, I think, some kind. Yeah, he's he's like one. Basically, he's one of the top predators um, yeah. in the ocean, and they all kind of give him this snotty attitude, and he eventually makes them eat it. They didn't Which know what I he was. Not so much, no. It's good, it's good stuff, though. I highly recommend Joe Lawson. Highly. Even though I raced with I the wife of Opendum because of Danny's cheating, um, but then I went back, but only because of the mothership. Uh, I still highly recommend Joe Lawson. The mothership is awesome, yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way... Um, Lieutenant uh, LTJG, uh, the lady who does retrograde, all her stuff is on AO3. It's not gone. What is retrograde? Retrograde is where um, the Atlantis mission wasn't uh, resupplied after the first year. It was kind of abandoned, and Jack was working his damnedest to get out there, and when they got out there, they found that the NID beat them and had taken and captured Atlantis and done stuff. And it was, it, it works out. I mean, you, what you're seeing is actually pretty cool. Oh, it's the trust. Sorry. And that's the descriptor. It's, um, they're all a little feral. The, the, um, oh, yeah, the Raptor, the Medusa. That was interesting. Um, but retrograde is fun because it was one of the first ones that was um, a fully fleshed out, at least for me, apocalyptic fic or maybe an abandonment fic that um, managed to to work, and it was really cool, and it was it was internally consistent, and I really enjoyed it. But I actually thought it was going to be lost for a long time because um, they had their own site, and then and then it it uh, and they stopped writing, and I don't know why. But I thought I thought the site was down or lost or something, or I I couldn't find it again. 
and I was wandering around AO3 and found it. So. Yeah, Wrath of the Medusa is pretty dark, but. Hmm. Okay, going back to to Soulmates, do you want to go back to uh, see if you and Jilly can actually manage it this time, or? <laughs> I don't have enough spoons for that. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I am like, I've had a very exhausting year. Yeah. And it's just February. <sighs> True. Yeah, true. Okay. Copy. And I found the one with the penguins. There we go. What is what is your husband murdering? Dude, I don't know. I, I, he's been watching movies. He was watching earlier Guardians of the Galaxy, so. Oh, he's still watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Too, as a matter of fact, it, it's, oh, it's supposedly not, a male. I think I know that part. I, I, I think I yeah. know that part. Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh man, we're only what seven weeks in. I know. I'm like, damn. I don't even know. Uh huh. Shit. You know the there's there's one that that I have been tempted to write in, and actually haven't. And but I've been so tempted because I enjoy at least two characters in in the thing, which is um, the losers. I've never got through the whole movie. I've tried several times. I just can't do it. I never got through the movie. I just found the fandom. <laughs> You're going to post a loser fic about six months from now, and your first comment's going to be, that's pretty good for someone who didn't watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Earlier in the week, we were in um, the Bitch Squad, and I were mm-hmm. uh, translating uh, feedback. Like what mm-hmm. you said, but what we think. <laughs> what, what we think you mean. Like, because I had gotten uh, a piece of feedback on something that said that something was a great start. And I was like, what she really mm-hmm. means is that so far she likes it and she hopes I don't fuck it up. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. <sighs> hmm. And I'm looking forward to more actually means I can't believe you posted so little when I'm so bored and it's all your fault. Why don't you have more fix posted? Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little addition to Coats and Customs. I was really excited for like a hot second and then I went shit. But then I felt ungrateful because yeah. <laughs> But I didn't yeah. leave an ungrateful comment. I didn't. 
I got super excited mm-hmm. for a hot minute. And then it was less than a thousand words. Like, oh, this is charming. And I enjoyed it. But. Yeah. I, 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 you weren't the only person who kind of went, wait a second, I know that name. <gasps> Click. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> And then I settled in the way to read and went, that was lovely. Good God, that thing is huge, though. It's just like the ultimate cock tease. But, you know, considering how huge Coats and Customs is, it is ugly to be disappointed. I'm just happy they're even willing to write it anymore. Okay. Because that thing is fucking huge. Yes. Um, The, the, one it's that's in Kudzul that I can't pronounce, uh, where uh, Thorne is a ghost and watching the whole um, Lord of the Rings oh. cycle. That one, I, I I'm looking it's at it and it's like ten inches of fury. Uh huh. Coast and Coast is in the um, Hobbit. It is, and so is. Uh, Sansuk? I'm going to go with Sansuk, yeah. Okay. That's also in The Hobbit um, with a extension into Lord of the Rings because most of the action is um, the characters of The Hobbit basically peering over everybody's shoulders in Lord of the Rings, which leads to some interesting frustrations at times. But, oh, my God, it's it's heartbreaking. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. Because it's, you know what's happening. You, you know. Ugh. The most heartbreaking <sighs> thing about The Hobbit, um, and knowing they have such an extensive afterlife, is knowing that even in death, Bilbo won't be reunited with his tomorrow. Because they don't go to the same mm. place. You That's know, honestly, I, I can honestly see, you know, um, Bilbo checking out the, the, the land, looking around, going, there's a mountain. That's got to have Dwaro in it. <laughs> Sorry. Walking over, walking over, going, tick, tick, okay, that's rock, and digging his ass in. I'm going in. There are Dwaro in there. They'll find me mine. My favorite after um, after life fic is the one where Bilbo does in fact go to the mountain and knock on the door. Hey, you can, but then they but then he like sneaks in. He sneaks in mm-hmm. to the mountain. He lives there for like a couple of weeks, and Mahal knows, and and he lets him do it. But Bilbo thinks he's gotten away with some shit. But the best part of that whole fic is where Tari shows up and bangs on the door, and. And they come to tell Keeley, um, yeah, your elf's outside threatening to lay siege. <laughs> you need to go do something about her. Yep. <laughs> you need to let her in. <laughs> she means business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I did not know that elf could look that pissed off. That's a fucking door. She's going to mm-hmm. tear down the mountain. Oh. It's hilarious because she's got an attorney to do that shit. They, they, they might as well just give in. Mm-hmm. She ain't got nowhere to go. And no, nothing but time and a 
massive amount of determination. What yeah. thing is that where they go back in time? No, no, they go, it, it's after they die, basically. Um, um, okay, Hobbit. Which one are you talking about? Because... Uh, let's see, I've got Into the West, The Carving, Oak and the, and the Ash, A Hobbit in the Lonely Mountain, The Good Earth. What happens in the fic is that um, when Bilbo gets to the Undying Lands, um, he's still basically cursed by the One Ring because he had it for so long. Oh, and Frodo listen. goes on a yeah. quest. And Thorin goes on a quest. And they don't know they're on the same quest. And but then they meet up. And they get what they need to save him. And then Thorin has to go back to his mountain. And Bilbo's like, fuck that shit. <laughs> Is it Into the West? I just put up the link. Um... And uh, then Bilbo sneaks into the to. Yeah, I don't blame you, Spirit. Yeah. Yes, Tari of the Greenwood fears Novala. Yeah, this is it. It's yeah, it um, it's Into the West by Cinder Strato. Cinder Strato. Looks like that. Um, Cinder Strato. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it, and it'll be in the links for the podcast. Yep, I'm going to have that one open because it might as well reread it. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one um, one time travel fic that... <laughs> yeah. Um, of, of an arcane binding. I feel like, like, I feel like that's your plan already. Azure. For her to, 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 haunt the to shit hang around and haunt it. Yeah, to haunt the shit out of everybody. I feel like that's already your plan. Um, the, the arcane binding, you mean the one where he's basically the astronaut's wife? Or Yes. Time traveler's wife. Time, 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 the time traveler's wife. Yeah, not the astronaut's wife. That's the horror movie. Never mind. Yeah, but yeah, that's some good shit. That one, wow, you... you, you the logic of it is insane. And somebody actually had to, I mean, there was sincere plotting going on. This was not something I, th- I feel was pantsed at all, even the half-ass pantsing I do. Because <laughs> the, hey, you, you've, you've had an influence. But they, they figured out how to work it and make it, and it was, it was it's so well done. I mean, it really the is. The beauty of an arcane binding is not only the plotting. The, the plotting is, is stunning. The character work is amazing. It'll just stab you right in the heart. It is beautiful. But the the real true beauty of an arcane binding is the word economy. Mm-hmm. You sit down to read this, and you feel like you've read for 15 hours when you get done, and you just read 44,000 words, and you're like, what? <laughs> Uh-huh. Are you sure that was just 44,000 words? Because that feels like 200,000 words. What'd you do? <laughs> and that kind of well, 
that kind of tight ass plotting is amazing. That kind of word economy is the kind of thing you strive for. Mm-hmm. It sucked me in. Okay, I will admit I can I I fall into that reader's days you know pretty damn easily and and which is nice. Um, and I will I will get down in there and I will fall in love with the story and. Unless I'm in the mood to, to wander from thing to thing to thing, I will be head down in a piece for the entire time I'm reading it. I have an arcane binding and um, Lantian Legacy both have the same ability to suck me in and make me forget that I'm living in a world with you know um, that's on Earth. You know. It, my my head is filled with, with what the scenes of the story are. And thank you, Peter Jackson, for giving me Middle Earth because it let me see, you know, um, the the universe of an arcane binding and, you know, the, the idiots over in Stargate got, got me the other one. But it works, you know, and that's a that's a really good talent to have. It's stunning. <laughs> and when I put... When I put Lantian Legacy together, um, I mm-hmm. I really I put a lot of effort into my word economy, and I you know often in fan fiction I indulge myself. You you may have noticed, um, and just meander through my plot. And while my plot will be tight, sometimes my scenes will be loose because there's vanity there. Um, and while I could tell a story in 75k, it's much more fun at 200. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be honest and say that you know that the sometimes the padding feels like fleshing. Not not you 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 gave us a good fat, wonderful, juicy roast instead of a nice, satisfying steak. How about that? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't consider any of it um, necessarily padding. Um, a lot of times, <laughs> there's there's scenes that are emotionally satisfying that really don't serve the plot too much um, or the main plot, you know, because so, I could pull out, you can pull out 10, 10 subplots and just throw them away and have your main plot and get rid of 100K easily in, in your work um, if, you've, if you've bloated. But um, with Lantian Legacy, um, I really tight. She's really as tight as possible. Um, and I was re- really, really ruthless with my word economy. Um, and I enjoy Atlantean Legacy. I think it's probably the best example I have of fan fiction of word, of, of word economics and storycraft. Um, but it's not easy to cram that no. much story into that word count. So when you see somebody else do it, you're like, hell yeah, girl, you work it. Mm-hmm. You own that shit, <laughs> and she did. Of an arcane binding, oh, she God. owned that shit. I was like, "What, girl? Have a party? Come on now." Because damn. Yeah, it's um. There, there's, there's wonder and heartbreak and love and joy, fury. Uh huh, and. Melancholy and, 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 and Oh yeah. 
bittersweet grief, abiding love that we're all lucky if we if we if we ever see. Because you can feel you can feel Thorin's frustration and his anticipation um, throughout the whole thick. And you and can feel Bilbo's desperation, too. When you think we have the end, and then we get a different one, and it's like, oh, okay. Because it really solves mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues in the Hobbit fandom, and that's their lifespans. They don't add mm-hmm. up. Um, no. Even with the fact that Bilbo is so much younger than Thorin, Thorin will still if you let him survive the Battle of the Five Armies and live a natural life, will still um, uh, outlive Bilbo. Outlive him. Um, and, unless you do something funky, which I like to do. It, you know what, though, Dark? It is the kind of cry that when you get done, you just, like, nod to yourself and wipe your face off and go, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. It ain't going to break your heart. A lot. It'll break your heart a little bit. No lie. I mean, it it is. It'll break your heart a little bit, but then it'll mend it up really nicely at the end. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Yeah, just a little crack of an arcane binding. Is the is the fic, and it's on um, Ao3. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast um, in the distant future, um, they're should be a link in the description. <laughs> I have it on my list to put there. Mhm. I just put it back it's in beautiful. the. I mean, it it really oh, it is. is beautiful. Um, and um, just yeah. She knocked that out of the park. Mhm. And and when she you did. see an, an, another writer just bring it, it, it should, you have this kind of pride, you know, like like you're proud of them. But not in the condescending way. I don't mean to be condescending. I mean like, damn, bravo! Congratulations, you you moved me. And and I, can I? Why can't I do more than just one kudo? Come on! <laughs> but just for the crap you all the kudos. You're like shit, shit. Nailed it. Definitely nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. I have to think that that's probably one of my favorite Hobbit fix. Um, I mean, Into the West is a close second, just for satisfaction alone. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about The Wrath of the Medusa, which is an NCIS fic. Um, Dark uh, as fuck. Yes. Um, but very satisfying. But dark as fuck. Don't don't go into that. It has a happy ending. It's a really happy ending. Everything works out just the way it's supposed to. Um, I'll make a habit of reading Death Fits Fix, and I rarely ever recommend them. So don't worry about that. Uh. In fact, there's only one death pick I've ever really truly recommended, and he was already dead when the story started. Oh God, that one. That one. Yeah. Yeah. That it's one. the only one I've ever been able to heart where my unicorn dies, and I don't get furious. I'm mm-hmm. too busy grieving. 
And, you know, I can usually make it up all the way to the point where Rodney says, it's a good thing I knew you weren't going to live to be an old man. Oh, or something like that. I'm it. like, oh, just, just, yeah. just, just stab me in the chest. Just stab me in the chest. <sighs> the only thing I had left yeah. was my heart. She broke it. She broke my heart. It, but if you've not oh, read so, Freedom so. Just Another Word for Nothing Left to Lose in the Stargate fandom, um, then you're not a Stargate fan. Yep. Yep. If you only read it once, if you're in the Stargate fandom, you, you, you have to read it once because it is. Do you realize that Freedom's Just Another it's, Word for, no, for Nothing Left to Lose is only 19K? Yeah, it's 19K that'll rip your heart out. Yes. I read it once a year and cry like a baby every time. It is beautiful and stunning. Yeah, right. No, no, you haven't, you haven't, you're not a fan until you've grieved with Rodney. (laughs) You gotta grieve with Rodney. The, the, The crazy thing is there's some stories that the echoes of them shape fandom. Resonate. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose is one of them. Okay. It is a relatively short story that in 19,242 words takes you, yeah, takes you on a trip through every emotion imaginable and you come out the other side wrung dry. Okay. Um, and you know exactly how much Rodney loved him. I have to say that I think that that fic more than any other fic that I read coming into the fandom shaped my characterization of, of, of McKay. Yeah. I'm just saying that you got to read it. You got to read it. There's, you know, there. I think before I read um, Freedom, there was a thing going around, and partially it was based off of shit that the um, producers were pulling, and also I think something that Hewlett had said, where they were calling Rodney a coward. And that he wasn't brave, and that he wasn't um, he wasn't as heroic as Ronan or um, Shepard or Lorne or uh, O'Neill and the, and the rest. You know, all the all the soldiers. And all I could think of was you line sex shit. You know, because this is a guy who he was an academic. Okay, he didn't handle a gun in his day-to-day life beforehand. He, his life was a lab, okay? And yet he strapped on a gun, or strapped on several guns, climbed into a tack vest, and walked through a stargate into a complete unknown, and he kept doing it. If that's not the definition of bravery, I don't know what is. 
All right. And so having read this and seeing seeing the bravery of a man who who continued to live that's not a, that's not a guy who who's a coward. Yeah. It's interesting and how so, men categorize bravery. Um mm-hmm. because where men see a character like Ronan or John or Lorne as brave first, I see them as reckless first. They are reckless with their fear. Bravery is not the absence of fear. Bravery is acting despite your fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but John's reckless. Oh, he's Lauren incredibly is reckless. reckless. Ronan is incredibly reckless. They all are. Um, and but men equate that recklessness with bravery. Um, McKay's not reckless as a rule. He has some reckless moments, um, brought on by stress, yeah. vanity, um, drugs, arrogance, but enzyme. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting to see him to see those male characters, those those actors and producers talking mm-hmm. about bravery and what they're really talking about is recklessness. Yeah, because it's bravery is 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 more than just you know, yeah. Bravery is not the absence of fear. You know, it's it's going and doing despite it, you know, or maybe because of it. None of those links worked, Azure. <laughs> Sorry, sweetheart. You know, the other thing is, honestly, that Rodney always knew, I mean, he knew down to the, down to the decimal point exactly how screwed they were at times, you know, and yet he, (laughs) he kept, um, he kept standing up and doing, you know, and Oh, Area 52. Ooh, that's not working. Why didn't that not work? Oh, you have to go to the Wayback Machine. Oh, okay. They're still down. Area 52 is still, it's just still down. That sucks. You know, I kind of hope they eventually come back up. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Area 52. I can't read that Disappeared. Thick. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I yep. clicked on that. No, no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. 
What's wrong with you bitches? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I stopped at paragraph four. I'm not going any further. Evil. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-mm. See where my wall is? I have no problem reading a fic where John's already dead. <laughs> I can't read what where Rodney is. <laughs> uh, now wait a second. Okay, so here's the thing. This thing is a multi-chapter thing, or at least it's got another chapter. And you'll be okay in Chapter 2. No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I do read three of them once a year, but it is different. There is unicorns, and then there are unicorns. (laughs) Okay. Apparently that that heart-shaped unicorn is just... Look, my eyes filled up with tears at paragraph four. I can't handle it. At least with freedom, I get all the way almost to the end. (laughs) Uh My eyes are burning. It was terrible. How dare you you guys traumatize me like that on the air. (laughs) Yeah, let's find something else. Go... Go find the penguin one. Yeah, that one at least is funny. Oh God, that thing. Dark, that's just not cool. That one was The Ghost and Mr. Denozo. I imagine the ghost is Yes. I've read that one. <sighs> Shut up, Willow. What's wrong with you? <laughs> God damn it. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I'm sensitive. <laughs> you are. And while I might read Freedom every year, I don't read it in public in front of people. Any blubbering is supposed to be private. Right? There's, there's rules. <laughs> Someone needs to ask Okay. fuck's sake. Okay. Um, let's see. There's always a soulmate trope where they find out that they're soulmates when they have sex. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that. We talked about all the soulmate tropes. Um what I really brought Please. out of that conversation um, is that I think that my infatuation with that trope is actually a disservice to the unspeakable plot. So you kind of nailed yourself down on that particular you know option though, and you 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 nailed yourself really firmly. I mean, I think there were railroad spikes involved. Yeah, but I can undo that. You can. You know, and the problem is, the is now there are people out there who have read both the original version and 
the um, teaser I put up on EAD of the um, mm-hmm. triad, and I think that what eventually will come out of it won't look anything like either one of them. Oh, gee, shuck, uh, shucky darn, they can live. You know, the fact that, that you know, you're going <laughs> to, yeah, it's not a paring knife, it's a, <laughs> um, you know, the, it's a story that you, you took it as far as, as you reasonably could, and the, I honestly think episodes would have worked better with that because it would have allowed you to, you know, born in and, and looked at, you know, shine the light on this and then, you know, go over to this and allude to something that's happening over yeah, here. Yeah, the problem is, is I did not plot a season. I plotted a book. And I plot seasons and books differently. So in order to make it episodes, I'm going to take the whole damn thing apart. And my plot is 250 pages handwritten. You masochist. I thought I, I know, was bad. That's just, that's, just, that's just how I work. My series Bible for Ties that mine is three composition notebooks. And I, here I have it, most of it stuck in my head where I just reread the bloody thing every six months or so. <laughs> no, you got about 25% of what I actually built in your head. I know. <laughs> well, I guess... But yeah, I mean, 25% yeah, is I what basically made it into the story that you guys saw online mm-hmm. versus what's in the notebooks. Because um, I had entire subplots that I pulled out um, and oh. that I could actually um, continue into another set of novellas um, for it. Then I also have my composite <clears throat> bound offshoot for Criminal Minds. Yes, which, you know, that one... I kind of uh, look at it every once in a while because it's that it's that picture with the two of them that is just so perfect for for that universe. And off we go. Well, my yeah, my my plot is my first draft. Yes, absolutely. That's what I think you meant, Dark, when you just typed that. But yeah, my plot is my first draft. Um, yeah, my plot document is a mixture of. Um, External and internal motivations, there will be two arcs, mm-hmm. so and I blend them together. Um, there will be character notes, scene notes. Um, in Unseekable Plot, I plotted chapter and verse, basically, um, 42 chapters. I hate to tell you this, you probably got 42 episodes. No, I probably got over a hundred episodes actually. Okay. If I do five to ten K because I would have to expand it and put um uh-huh. and and enter some subplotting and um then I would have to do two arcs, um, outside Hogwarts and inside Hogwarts and then I would have to have an overall arc. So I would have to merge um the character arcs for roughly twenty characters. Um, across episodes and plots, uh, I would have five to six subplots. You've got five have to six subplots. More. I would have five to six subplots more. Um, okay. Because the structure of a book is 
nowhere near the structure of a series of episodes. Okay. When, you, when you look at a series of episodes, they're done. Um, I do mine by events, event plotting. Okay. So the first chapter, the original first chapter of Unspeakable Plot would literally be three episodes. Huh. Okay. Because there's the meeting with um, the world leaders, the, the magical world leaders, about, about the death of magic, right? Um, I would have to back that up, explain that a little bit. Maybe start with the same sentence, but I would have to um, inject some of the Harry's circumstances and create a – because an episode has to have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mhm. So it would have to be um I would just have to start all over again. And it would just be yeah, there's just nothing. There's nothing left there. It isn't even remotely the same. That's not how I work. And someone had mentioned uh, to ask me about um some of the shorts I have on my site and about expanding them and really kind of thing just doesn't happen in my world. If I have a short, it's because I pants it in a hot moment and I'm done. The only exception would be the Meredith story. And the thing is, is I already had a, I already had that kind of plotted out, but I had it plotted out for a man. I had it, I had it plotted out for Rodney McKay. Um, and when I, I got really pissy about that whole Meredith thing and how they told me I shouldn't, I couldn't write a female McKay series mm-hmm. that I repaused the whole thing for a woman. But I already had that 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 particular plot on the back burner anyway. But I had to rework it and put all the the female stuff into it because it's <laughs> a stunningly different animal. Meredith. Oh yeah. She's very different from from just about anything. Circumstances, circumstances, mm-hmm. um, reactions, um, expectations, um, both hers and others for her. Uh, it's an entirely different ballgame. But that was already there. And um, so reworking that for the Meredith story was pretty easy to do. But those little shorts, there's nothing there more than what you see because there's no plotting. There's no There's no cloud motivations going on. There's not, there's just nothing there. There's nothing. It was a sentence on a notebook. That's all it will ever be. Unless someone pisses me off and tells me I can't write Darcy She-Hulk. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would have to... In fact, if I, if I wrote a Darcy She-Hulk, it wouldn't um, take place on the helicarrier, so it would be an entirely different circumstance. But I do really enjoy Dar- um, Darcy as She-Hulk. That amuses me. You know, I can see, I can see stuff. You know, the ideas spinning out because of um, every time I read those those shorts. You know, that, that you or Jelly or frankly any of the any of the the writers do. Um, sometimes I can see ideas spinning out further from them, and and sometimes they feel completely, you know, encapsulated by themselves. Um, I'm not going to pester you for it. You know, I'm just going to enjoy what we've, what we've got. But 
you know, sometimes you can see, you know, where things could go, or at least where I would take it if I was going to do something. Yeah, but you're a pantser, and I'm not. It's like asking me to um, – it's – the only time I pants is when I'm in a great deal of pain and on pain medication, okay? <laughs> That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. The only I know. time I ever pants on that level. Harder. If It's incomprehensible to me otherwise. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I literally cannot function in that in that creative environment. It is beyond my scope. Unless I am broken and drugged. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna do that to you, you know. <laughs> but I have to plan you know, I said, I said, and plot and basically pre-write. <laughs> uh huh. I know. And then you and watch me do shit, and you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I drive you insane when I when I do something, and you're looking at me wondering where the hell I pulled that out. I know where you pulled it out. It's the same place I pull it out. It's just a different process. Uh-huh. Oh, very much so. Good times. <laughs> oh. There are times when I when I look at some of the shit that that wanders through. Oh, right. Jesus Christ! On the you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. I. But no, I, I mean know, that's I a know. thing, right? That's actually a thing in our process that um, separates us. Um, it, her ability to do that, and my inability to tolerate it. Mhm. And it's like. Um, I have a plan. I expect that plan to be followed to the letter. Dark, it's not so much your pantser sounds like, yeah, but you're an arts major, or yeah, you're, but you're a DC fan. It's more of a, um, the best way I can put it is, if I give her directions, I need to give her the type of directions that say, go down four streets and turn left at the big gulp. And then turn right at the house with the um, the tree in the middle of the front yard. Mine is go east for uh, for 3.2 miles, turn west, and you know all these things, and it drives her bonkers because we're completely it doesn't work. That's fine. It, you know, I'm not down. I, I am. I really. I know that people think that I that I pick on pantsers, and it's not so much that is that your process literally drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. But I don't think it's inferior at all. Um, whatever Mm-mm. gets your work out there, it works for you. Your process is yours, and it's it's not something that anybody else can or should judge. Now, a lot of people out there who are judgy, oh, I never plot. It ruins my creative flow. Double bird. Or, oh, okay, I have to um, plot. I don't know what I would do without a plot. It would just be a big hot mess. Looks it, friend. And I don't mean to say you're going to be a hot mess. I don't mean that. But either way, it's, it's condescending, mess. right? It's, it's condescending. And that's oh, yeah. not what I mean. Um, it's just that... Mm-hmm. 
I find your process baffling. Mm-hmm. I find, <laughs> in some ways, your process baffling um, because I can't, um, I can't drill down that 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 far, if you will. Uh, so for me, it's um, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, my the first two stories that I did were basically open my writing um, program and start typing. And I had an overall idea of where I wanted everything to go, but I had nothing written. I had nothing written down anywhere as to what was happening. Literally, um, slow sight of indifference and uh, an uncomplicated choice, they are my total and complete pantsing, flying blind the entire way. That's true. Usually says you don't have to write it down to have plotted something. A lot of times I will (laughs) write a story basically in my head several times before I get anywhere near producing it in reality. Mm -hmm. And that's a form of plotting. Um, You're you're working out the themes and um, Mm -hmm. the character movements and motivations, um, external and internal, in your head. And that is the same kind of plotting that I do on paper, too. It's just... yeah. We're all a little different, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I've 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 encountered people who say that their way is the only way, the only proper way. No, fuck you, don't. No. There, what is it? There, there is no, there is no one true path to enlightenment. You know, everything. No. But so you know the thing is is it, it, at the end of the at the end of the time you've got a novel complete done mm-hmm. job done. But you know what though, if your process never gets you to the end, if you never see the end, you need to reevaluate your process. Now, I'm not saying that every project needs to be completed because sometimes something will just fizzle and not, not work for you anymore, and that's fine. But if you've never, ever had the end come to you in your process, then you have something wrong in your process. It's up to you I to figure to, out what I that have... wrongness is and to fix it. I have typed the end. On a couple things, you know, um, quite a few. I things. have, yes, I have left things absolutely horrifically ambiguous at the ending of a story, which got me some interesting uh, comments, <laughs> you know. But oh wait, <laughs> she's huffy. I'm gonna put her on. Because I'm an old lady and I have to go to the bathroom again. Okay. <laughs> Dilly? I don't know if you can hear me or I am. Wait. Oh, I I'm talking into this. Ah. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> well, I thought that was just going to be in the chat room, so I was like, I'm still. But I, I'm still I'm still happy about the ending of Restoration. I will never not be happy. I mean, I love the story, but you know, ambiguous. Yeah, 
Because I do you really I actually sat there with a quarter and was flipping the damn quarter heads for, for one answer, tails for the other and, and realizing I didn't want to write either. Because they were both equally valid and I was stuck. Uh, so you left me to choose your own adventure and I just I don't know. I don't know. I got to the end of that story and I, I huffed. I huffed at you very hard. Well, the thing is though is you know, you think about it. In, in option number one, they go back to um, the Hogwarts that they helped build and, and their children and their, their country that they put together. They live out their lives. They die together. And eventually they get you know, reincarnated because that's just the way of, of what they were, which was soulmates, okay, because that is, that is what, what they were, all right? And they live out a life that they finally found the peace that they, they deserved. You know, all the shit that they, put, they, that they got put through to get to that point. All right? And then option two is they step, they step through um, the lintel for the bluestone, and they come out the other side back where they started, okay, with no guarantee that, you know, I'm, I would be nice enough to leave them all of their memories of who they were and the, the, the magics they've been taught, okay? And they would have to deal with a group of people who were bound and determined to separate them, marry Harry off to Ginny, um, obliviate Draco, and God knows what else. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a... I'm not saying that your choice to be vague wasn't <laughs> completely valid. I understood because we talked about it. I think I didn't I date in this one because we talked about. I it think you did. Yes, yeah. when I was going on, and um, um, yeah. So you did just anthropomorphize your story a little bit, which was I thought was kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. But I yeah, I, I I got to the end of it when I was reading it on Rough Trade, and I just I did. I had a big old huffy moment. I was like. She's not going to tell us if they took the red pill or the blue pill. I can't deal. But I understood, I understood the creative choice you made. I just was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Sometimes you have yeah, well. that, you know, dichotomy in your head where you're going, wow, I understand why she'd make this creative choice. But on the other side, you're going, what the fuck? And you kind of have a little bit of a temper tantrum. And that's what I did. Yeah. So when you said... You said sometimes you leave the ending vague. That's why I kind of, you know, put it in chat. Yes, you have. You have left it vague. You know, and, and here's the thing. I still think about that. And I, I've been turning over both ideas in my head as to what is going to happen next on both of those, those universes. And, you know, it's determining, you know, what. Are you talking to a woman again? I'm talking to a different woman. Actually, I'm talking to a lot of women. Poor husband. And yes, you're talking to that woman. <laughs> oh, and, and that woman is back too. Yeah, I'm that woman. Yes. I'm the other woman in her life. I'm. You are. He talks about me like are. I'm a mistress. I'm the mistress. <laughs> As you says, "Hi, Mister Lady Holder." Waves. He's waving back at. <laughs> uh huh. Full moon your way to bed, dear. Oh, good lord. 
Yes. Come on now. Yes, I did. Have a little decorum. It's his house. Speaking of decorum, every once in a while, Blog Talk mm-hmm. will send me a, a little letter. It's a form letter, I think, where they talk, talk about ways to make my podcast more professional. I'm thinking, are you guys listening <laughs> to me? Or <laughs> is this something you say to everybody? <laughs> I feel targeted. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's getting back to the 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 story. It's I've I've tried to figure out where I'm going to go with that, and and if I do anything with it, nobody's seeing it until I'm finished. You know, and my if I do anything, it'll be it'll be both options. I can't do one without the other because they're both legitimate. When she well, said, you would write a no one will see it until I'm finished, my eyes squinted. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's put it this way. Nobody outside of the bitch group, you know. <laughs> Me who had that's like throwing, boards 100. That's like throwing down progress. the gauntlet. <laughs> hmm? I said that was like throwing down well, the gauntlet to Kara. Mm-hmm. I know. I'll be calling her husband, dude. You. Get on her Google Drive <laughs> and share all her folders with me. <laughs> you realize he would come unglued because he doesn't touch my stuff? <laughs> you think that you... Yeah. Mm-mm. <sighs> yeah, that one, that one would definitely not be a um, rough trade. I have a Harry Potter Revenant story I started that no one's going to see, maybe ever. Oh, God, you're a worse tease than I am. I'm just thinking about it. You started it. It's it's so ugly, the experience I have with that. I have honestly, you know, even, even um, even in the Sentinel with the Awakening, nobody ever outright basically implied I wasn't talented enough to have the idea. They were pissed off about yeah, what I was doing later, but they weren't um, questioning <sighs> my ability. But with The Revenant, when I put it up on Rough Trade, I, there were so many people asking me where the source was for that, um, if there's any more that they could read anywhere else, if I could give them a link. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-mm. No, they're just assholes. And it continued so much on wild hair. So I just closed comments. I couldn't handle it. I was I don't understand why how you can look at the body of my work and assume I'm not creative enough to have create to to develop that concept. I don't get it either. I mean as soon as you came up with the idea, the the whole possibility of it it's you know my you and I can have the same idea we can start out with the same idea I should say but how you take your where you take yours is always going to be different from mine okay even when we're we're talking and throwing ideas out and um you know doing a a 
a show where you know we're we're trying to figure out um, what we're going to do. How we look at the world is is different enough that we come up with completely different stories. Revenant, I never would have thought of that. My brain just didn't work that way. You know, now that it's here, I can look at the idea and I can you know kind of reach out and you know tap it and go, "You're really cool," but not yet. You know, maybe never. But it's a very cool idea. Well, thank you. You know, and even with like with um with synthetic, nobody bounced on me and asked me um where I'd gotten it from. Um, where I'd gotten my concepts from, and even though those concepts are just all over science fiction, nobody mm-hmm. bounced on me the way they did for Revenant. And yeah, I. You know, non con. Uh, why do I keep doing that to her? <laughs> Non-canon fan. Um, it. I would almost buy that, except for the fact that plenty of people know, and the people that were commenting also know that I've written professionally for two decades. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do need to change your name because it's disconcerting. <laughs> That's my problem, not yours. I'm pretty sure they don't count. You know, it's But it was but it was it wasn't just one person. It was over and over and over again. And I got it in email too and I was like, Are you serious? Oh yeah, that was stupid. I remember that. So I do have a Harry Potter Revenant story, um, and I don't see it appearing anywhere until it's a hundred percent complete. And if it ever goes up, it'll probably go up with comments closed <laughs> because I just can't just can't handle it. Disconnect your your that that email or not email that the email notification for um, the direct to your your uh, your email thing because your people will use that instead. Assholes that they are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It was like one after another people were asking me for the source material. Mm-hmm. If it had been a fusion, I would have labeled it a fusion. When have I ever not? Mm-hmm. My, my revenant idea for Harry Potter is that um, during the trial, um, going into his fifth year, his first time he steps into the, um, ever how you say that word, um, wisdom monot, is how you say it? Probably not. Um, ever how you say it, Wizard Court. Um, the first time he has in the Wizard Court, he encounters um, the Revenant spirit, uh, a Revenant spirit, and I have I have two choices that I've narrowed down. And in the midst of that trial, the the Revenant who is who has lived in the the Wizard Court for the Wizzy <laughs> for. <laughs> For hundreds, hundreds of years, he's 
because um, he hasn't taken um, an anchor in hundreds of years. He offers, um, he asks Harry Potter to anchor him. And everybody is screaming, no, no, no. Everybody's trying to interfere. Dumbledore's like, no, no. And Harry's like, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. And then suddenly they have is- to deal with with Harry Potter, who has been anchored by this really ancient revenant spirit in the magical world. And, um, he has no fucks to give. He's literally, yeah, he has no fucks to give. And for the first time, somebody asked Harry Potter what he wanted. Uh-huh. I think it's uh, Wizen Gamma. So I just, it's <laughs> W-I-Z-E-N, Wizen Gamma. I'm going to go with Wizzy. <laughs> Works for me. So, yeah, I mean, um, he's 15, and he's he's going to anchor... Um, uh, Somebody. A, a particular revenant um, that nobody in um, Britain is quite ready to deal with. And I have a couple of choices um, about who I'm going to pick, and um, I don't want any input. Uh, <laughs> But um, so yeah. Someone find an audio book, right? I should listen to the audio book because then I would know how to pronounce all this shit. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. This not actually nice enough to give me a. Your new name should be Fuck Cannon. <laughs> I won't get that wrong. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm just kidding. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. Kinda. Uh, we did a whole you are not podcast the- about uh a strongly word um a strongly worded uh surface to air missile. Um, surface to air missile. Mhm. AKA the SmackDown. Um and the thing is I absolutely hate I hate I loathe the term SmackDown. I, I, I loathe it. You, um, I like to do it, but the term itself, I, I, oh find, yeah. I, I find infuriating. Okay, so somebody apparently, this is what I get for following the, the urge. Somebody apparently uh, broke it down. It's whiz in gam it. One more time. Whiz in gam it. Whiz in gam it. Whiz in gam it. Whiz in gam it. Well, that one's Wiz and Gamut. Same thing. Or is it, is it Mott? Go check with, get, or Mott. Gamot. Possibly Mott. As in Mott and Bailey. I don't know. I'm going to go with Wizzy. I like Wizzy. It, it amuses me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We definitely need an audio book. So some snotty British person who uh, who narrated the books 
can tell us how to pronounce these things. God, yeah, no shit. Because apparently you've been mispronouncing Voldemort since the very fucking beginning, so. The T's silent. Did you know? I don't fucking think so. Yeah, Voldemort? the T is silent. Voldemort. Uh-huh. The, the T is silent. Oh, I love Stephen Fry. Ridiculous. I can deal with that. I can dig that. Okay. So apparently there's a... Jesus. I actually found something that somebody's actually uh, saying it, and it's they're saying Wizengot. Wizengot. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with Wizzy. I, I, I think it really sums it up, because they're definitely pissing on wizard, um, the, the wizarding public um, as a rule. I'm going to go with mm-hmm. Wizzy. You know, very, I can think of a situation. Soon, a house of character will be calling it that. Wizzy. Uh-huh. They met in the yep. Wizzy. <laughs> You know, I I can honestly see, uh, see because Harry doesn't have the education that that everybody else does. So you know these these new names and everything, he's going to look at it and say, "Fuck this shit, the Wizzy." The Wizzy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want the American versions of the book. Why would I want the American versions of a of a story set in Britain? Who thought that was a good uh, idea? Not me. I better be able to buy the British version. I'm going to be mad. <laughs> oh, this is a... I forgot about this picture. I had a picture set. That actually works um, for that Avengers thing that you've got up. There we go. Oh, really? There's an extra syllable in there. That's because we were all listening to it. <laughs> yeah. He's saying Wizengamot. Wizengamot. He's, he's doing the guh. He's doing mm-hmm. the, gay, the G sound, the guh. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was listening to the video, but I was looking at the picture. I really like this. I'm not mad at that picture. I'm going to be downloading that picture. I'm going to be downloading that. Downloaded. <laughs> yeah, I actually had that in um, the the time I made uh, Tony a werewolf. 
So that was fun. Wiz in a gamut. That seems wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> but obviously, if it's in the movie, I mean, there's lots of dumb shit in the movie. I don't know. We just Get, Wizzy. It's the Wizzy. Let's let's <laughs> stick with the Wizzy. <laughs> Wizzy for the win. Wizzy <laughs> and magical cops. Because fuck that shit. We're not going down that road again. <laughs> We've been down that road for ten years. Let's let's. We're not going down the R road again. The R R the R R. See, because I thought really it should be pronounced like R Ora Ora or or. Really or or. That's what that's what we decided on. Or or. That's so dumb. I'm sorry. Every. I hear or or, and I'm expecting to have a seal clap at the fin, or it's it's. Row anyways. row row your boat. <laughs> Gently downstream. No. Oh God, no. Really, really, really. <laughs> Life is but a dream. And now I hear three old bastards sitting in the middle of Yellowstone singing that around a campfire. Thank you so much. And you should. You totally should. And you're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for that awesome cinematic memory that I've invoked in you. The movie wasn't worth the rest of the time. This is true. Oh my this is my very God. true. Wait, that's the one with Spock's brother, right? I thought that was with Ro- no, was it Rorapente and the exploding moon and, and the shapeshifter. Well, Rorapente, and- uh, that's one of are you talking about Undiscovered Country? Because Undiscovered Country is like the best fucking Star Trek movie ever made. Oh God, I think our friends get fractured. No, I think we have two. I think I have two movies crossed. It's um, the there's one the I'm shitty one with Spock's is... brother and God in the middle of the universe. Then there's the one where they frame right. Kirk for murdering a Klingon, and he ends up on a Klingon right, prison okay. planet with a shapeshift. I'm, I'm sorry, I mangled two movies. Because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sorry, having the, the, the one where the phrase you haven't heard Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon definitely doesn't go with Roe Roe Boat. <laughs> the original Klingon. It's a line from the movie. I know it's great. You know, another, <laughs> you know. <sighs> Asher, I just saw that all aboard the mothership and grab an or or. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, see, here's the thing. You know, a couple of years from now, I'll I'll click on this podcast, listen to it, and think, what the fuck was going on in the chat room? <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot. A lot was going in the cat r- chat room, future me. <clears throat> you know, I honestly was one, I, you know, having had to make up my own, words for things because, you know, you've got alien fruits and alien customs and alien, you know, um, items and stuff. Trying to come up with something that is 
human pronounceable and actually makes some kind of freaking sense is really difficult. And I'm seriously wondering if she broke out the Scrabble tiles and just rolled. You know, take them all out, you know, throw them up in the air and, and put together a word out of what would have, whatever was facing upright. <laughs> Reminds me I don't know about you. Harry's Conclave in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. It, that is uh-huh. actually not a made-up word. That is um, that is Welsh, and it means Adderstone. Um, it's a real word, and mm-hmm. I can't pronounce it. And um, but if you Lame look it up there? in Google, pronounce, that's not how you do it. Um, well, this is how so. I thought it was. It's Nader, Nader, Nader. Anyway, somebody emailed me. And was complaining about the pronunciation of this word because she felt like it didn't match her imagination. I'm like, how the fuck is that my problem? I didn't, I didn't create Welsh. Have you seen Welsh? Have you seen that one little little town in in Welsh in Wales oh, yes. that weathermen like practice for decades to get to get right? It's not my fault. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't meet your yeah. standards. Oh. It's it is fifty eight letters and there it is. <laughs> and no, I can't pronounce that. I've heard it. Okay. But there is no way on God's green earth I'm gonna try. If you go on YouTube, there's a weatherman that does it. Uh huh. It took him like a decade to do it, to figure out how to do it. I'm, not, I'm uh-huh. kidding. I, I have no idea how long it took him to figure out how to do that. But there's a there's a weatherman on YouTube who can do it, and it is amazing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is I literally had no input whatsoever on how that term in Welsh is pronounced. You can say it however you want to in your brain when you're reading my story. I don't care. And I don't think the people in Wales will care either. Pretty sure. And speaking of um, names that things I use and that I should not um, probably use because then people bitch at me. Um, the term for uh, dwarf in my small magic—that's actually a real word. D V E R D E R. It's dwarf. no diverger. It's it is D V E R G E R. It is Norwegian. I literally have no idea how to pr- actually pronounce it. That's how I pronounce it. Diverger could be wrong. The D could be solid. The D probably is solid now that I think about it. But it's Norwegian. I literally have no ability whatsoever to control how it's actually supposed to be said. But it literally does mean dwarf. And I thought it would be really fun to kind of um, mix the mythology of the Norse and mm-hmm. Dwaro, um, and that maybe like if you kind of push your head out around it, that imagine that the Dwaro on Earth are eventually became the people who live in in Norway. I thought that'd be really fun. You know, mm-hmm. that that was basically what that is, is that those are um, the descendants of Dwaro. And I thought that would be fun. But it's not um, 
I really don't have any skin in that game. <laughs> I don't don't get mad if it doesn't sound like you want it to sound. But that whole thing with the Glenn Nader, I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, when I was writing it, I have a habit of even mentally, even today, saying Glenn Nadir um, as the mm-hmm. um, pronunciation, but that's not accurate. Uh, and um, is the D silent? Oh, look, there's an English pronunciation. Those of us who are going to fuck it up. You you got it right. I did? Yeah, and they said diverger. It happens. Even a broken clock is is right twice a day. <laughs> Yay! Good job. <laughs> but yes, so I did pick that from a real word. It is a real word. It is Norwegian. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that would be really fun to um, kind of... Uh, Kind of like a little Easter egg for those of you who pay attention to language um, and all that stuff. So, yes, we we get our mental head cannons and we stick with them, you know, through thick and thin. Yeah, head cannon. Yeah, yeah, the deer. Um, that's just how I've always pronounced it in my head. It it is. I know how it's supposed to be pronounced. That's just not how I pronounce it in my head when I write it. Um, Every time you talk about people complain about in your your fix, I'm basically mind fucked. Who are these people? You know, Jilly has a great opinion about this, um, and basically, um, she's still actually on the air if she wanted to unmute herself and talk about it. Um, but uh, that okay. there are certain people. Okay, go ahead. Oh, oh so we first one of the first podcasts. Um, Heard not heard, but one person thought I was on. Yeah, we talked about um, that. It's the only participation they have in fandom is to offer their opinion. Their opinion is all is all they have to offer, and they're very invested in it as a result. It's like, like go the, out and bait the, or something. Um, so you have something else to do. It's like they're the Paris Hilton of fans. <laughs> And they also get really upset when you don't want their opinion. Very. Because it's like, you know, it's kind of like, well, you put your – there's these people who will go to the extreme of saying, you put your stuff on the Internet, therefore we have the right to critique it and tell you what's wrong with it. And you have – while asserting that right, they'll say that you have no right to say you don't want it. Uh-huh. But just because, that because you're using the Internet that you're right to – Say I don't want to listen to your opinions, and that, and that, and then they'll go to the extreme of you're you're impinging on my freedom of speech. And I was like, oh dear, you need to, That's to not work how on that what works. freedom of speech is. That that ain't that ain't that. <laughs> That's not how any of that works. Yeah, you have the freedom to say this shit. I have the freedom to ignore you, and block you, and do all sorts of things that will not protect you from the consequences of your. Speech. Yeah, and if you can, if I you have been accused of censorship ways, so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you continue to find ways to keep your their opinions off of your work, and the thing is, most sites enable you to remove comments you find offensive. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, and certainly, if you have your own site, you can remove comments or not even approve comments that are not. So, if 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 you have 
limited their ability to vent their opinion publicly on your stories, they'll then take their opinion to a wider audience and they'll bitch about you in forums or they'll bitch about you because you've shut down their contribution to fandom, which is their, their opinion. And they just can't have that. So or in one special they case, they'll make a whole video dedicated to you and how you broke their heart. There you go. Oh, I'm not baby. kidding. I know. I've, I've seen the video. Yeah. Okay. I've never commented on it. I don't link it anywhere, and I don't want you guys to go over there and, and bitch about it or anything. Um, but yeah, there's a video. Um, yeah, yeah, I broke his heart. I miss and I'm sexist. One. And I have mis- and I'm mis- I'm misandrist. Did I say that? I'm sexist. I broke his heart. But what I really did was unfriend him and block him because he's an asshole. <sighs> Okay. Knitting is super trendy right now. They, they should look that shit up. They, they definitely should. <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to give them, you know, knitting needles. They might hurt themselves. How well, is that? A you see this? You see this con. inflation of value of opinion all over fandom, um, and it keeps escalating. It's like, um, you know, like Tumblr's devoted to prompts for writers or whatever. Um, and, you know, I actually, I can't imagine picking up a prompt, even if I thought it was super interesting, because I've seen people get really, oh, that's not how I meant that, or write it exactly this way, or, you know, I mean, it's just. <laughs> that reminds me of the email. You remember the email? The email. Mm, the yes. email. Oh, my God. Somebody sent Did me you an write email. This? And they attached um, their idea in a PDF, a protected PDF, and <laughs> just in case I got a wild ass here to copy and paste. I don't know. And basically it outlined all the things I could and could not do with their idea. And then asked me to write it. And then if I didn't want to write it, I uh-huh. would pass it to Jilly. Yeah, and if we didn't oh, want to I'm do so it, glad I missed please that. source a writer for it. Yeah, we, we, we were oh. responsible for finding a writer to write it for, for her. But she actually had a list of things I could and could not write in the idea that she tried to give me. Yeah, and the list of the things that the things that kind of I thought were kind of funny is like these are the points that I'm flexible on. But we'd have to discuss it. <laughs> really? Is that I how that go works? find it and read it out loud? I mean, it was yeah. She was serious. She was serious, and then tried to get me to source out another writer to um to to write it. And I'm, I'm like, even if I knew one. a writer who would take somebody's idea, I wouldn't subject them to you. <laughs> no. There's no writer I hate that much. Wait. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. <laughs> there's one. But I think I think that some people don't realize that that is not the way to get involved in the process. Um. And uh, people straighten themselves out. They eventually figure it out. You know, sometimes they're new to fandom and they think they can just go tell everybody what to do. I don't know how that how that happens. And they straighten themselves out and they figure out how to get involved and how to be, you know, um, 
participatory without being obnoxious. But a lot of them don't. They just kind of ride that wave of, I want something and no one's giving it to me, so I'll just be louder about it until someone pays attention. Or until I gather my own gang of people who feel like I do. Then they're just victimized because we pick on them for not taking them seriously. Yes. Oh, I don't take them seriously. Then then they get on YouTube and and, and rant in a, a butthurt video <laughs> about how I broke the yeah. oh. no, Not the same person. Not the same person, mind you. Not the same person at all. Um, but, like, one of the one of the rants on one but of the... But that one writer um, I about... hate, I would totally have given it to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the one of the um one of the like they deserve each group, other. One of the groups he oh, went man. on and was ranting about you on. One of the one of his points that he ranted about repeatedly was you infringing on his freedom of speech, which is sort of like I just you know I had a really hard time not giving a lecture like going into lecture mode and explaining freedom of speech because that's not how that works. That is not how that works at all. But it's just so funny that think if somebody says, shut up, I don't want your opinion, get off my site, get off my group, get out of my whatever, get out of my challenge, you are an obnoxious asshole that when you take that step and you say no, that all of a sudden you're infringing on their rights. And I, just, well, I am I just, pretty fucking fierce, I, I, I missed the memo about when assholery became a right. Well, it's a personality court for most of us, but you know, it, it you know, there's it's been something that's been developing over the years because people the internet has given everybody a chance to be a um asshole with a fair amount of anonymity. You know. Yeah, but this and asshole so, posted and used derogatory language and discriminatory language to refer to me. Mm-hmm. I know. I remember. And then I blocked him. And he email harassed me. And I blocked him. Uh-huh. And then I banned him from Rough Trade. And now he... Then he gets on that group who glory mm-hmm. and picking... Who, who glory and bitching about me. Um, and accuses me of doing something I literally cannot do. Refusing to listen to your opinion isn't the same thing as infringing on your rights. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I would definitely give him that fan fiction story treatment <laughs> because they deserve each other. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. But what was really interesting about that whole bitching experience on that group is that there was another man on there that I had blocked on Facebook who was a raging homophobe. Um and I blocked him for being a raging homophobe, and there he is in that group with that gay guy bitching about me. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've apparently got three minutes. Or less. Yes? No? I'm just saying, yeah, we have three We have three minutes and nine seconds, eight seconds, seven seconds. Um, but, yeah, so I'm just like, that was just like, are you for serious? Because I was just looking at that thinking, that is some funny shit. I should email them both and tell them what they are. Hey, did you know he's a homophobe, a raging homophobe who thinks gay men are weak? And hey, did you know that he's gay who and likes to call me a carpet muncher? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, what a man. 
Not that there's anything wrong with being a lesbian, but even if I was a lesbian, huh? I wouldn't want to be called a carpet muncher. Yeah, well, either. that's kind of some bizarre ironies. That's not, it's not irony. It's just bizarre to be gay and use being a lesbian as a slur. Well, <laughs> basically, um, he thinks women are inferior. Not logical. Well, yeah, that's that's true. That was that was it. That he, he women are inferior. He called, he he also called me a cunt. He thinks women are inferior. Bigotry's not logical. But the butthurt guy on YouTube, um, I unfriended him um, because he told me in a private chat that um, that women are made to be penetrated and therefore rape isn't as traumatic for a woman as it is for a man. You're joking. Oh, my no, God. No, I'm not. Oh, my God. I probably shouldn't have said that, but I don't well, that's, care. That's such a... I know, right? I was like, what? <laughs> Anyways, I know, I know. I I put oh, out the chat. Um, I saved it. Uh, because I just was... I just... All rape is traumatic. It doesn't matter what sex you are. <laughs> but he implied uh-huh. that rape for a man was more traumatic because women are made to be penetrated. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's how that works. It's like, you kind of like, dude, this opinion is never going to make you popular with women. Just saying, you know, just, if you want to stick, mm-hmm. stick with your stupid opinion, go for it, but... It is never. You're so, never so I blocked him, and then he got on YouTube and called me a sexist and a misandrist, whatever that is. He keeps me misandry yeah. um, because I made a baby house elf ugly because it was a boy. No, it was a. It was literally. A, it was literally. You know what? Though? Let me tell you about that. I can't. I got thirty seconds left. The elves in Soulmate Bond and in Birth Serpent King are actually the same. They they, they look the same. But Harry is different, so therefore his perspective is different. But it's mm-hmm. literally just the same baby with a different thing. It, it's it. They're both genuinely ugly, to be perfectly honest. Anyways, say good night, bitches. Good, good night. night, bitches. Good night, bitches. <laughs>